This is the Timepieces History Podcast, brought to you by Gudrun Lorette, the expert in using modern marketing methods for the traditional heritage sector. Each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past in around 10 minutes. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 4. Today we're looking at the Roman tradition of banquets and exploring some misunderstandings of what went on at them, as well as some surprisingly gruesome facts. I'd love to know what you think of these episodes. Please come and find me on Twitter, at Gudrun Lorette, or leave me a comment on your audio player of choice. Alternatively, you can pop a message onto the relevant podcast page over at gudrunlorette.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes, useful links and an episode transcript. No email address required to access that. Most of us are familiar with the idea of the lavish Roman banquets, with scantily clad serving wenches pouring glass after glass of wine while fat, perspiring men clutched chicken legs and greasy paws, eating until they were sick. In reality, while some of the elite had parties like that, not that it sounds much fun to me, most Romans didn't eat to excess. What is true is that banquets would have been conducted lying down, which must have played havoc with the digestion. Like many other things, the Romans borrowed this idea from the Greeks, with beds laid out in a U-shape and small tables in front, all set up in the dining room or triclinium. Everyday meals would have been consumed standing up or sitting down. The middle couch, Lectus Medius, was the best seat and kept the most important guest. It gave them a great view of the open doorway or window opposite and meant they were positioned beside the host who sat to their right. The less important you were, the further down you were put. At Albea, in the northeast of England, the recreated Mediterranean villa features a triclinium set up in this way, with tables at either side of the doorway. These weren't used for food, but drinks would have stood on one of them. Yither was strategically placed for an ostentatious display of the commanding officer's best silverware. Entertainment was always provided from poetry, musicians, dancers and even acrobats. Bigger banquets even featured wildcats trained to amuse the guests, or gladiators would be brought in to fight. If they fought to the death, that might actually explain the need to vomit. The event started at 5pm and would have lasted long into the evening, as there were so many courses to get through. Along with the usual suspects, meat, seafood, cheese and fish, the Romans might have dined on goat, rabbit and deer. For those looking to really wow their guests, they might want to serve up fried peacock tongues, sow's udders, or the greatest delicacy of them all, the dormouse, even though it was actually illegal to do so. Some banquets served snails, roasted parrot and rabbit fetuses. Wine would have been copious but watered down, and many courses would have been doused with a fish sauce that the Romans actually put on everything, which was known as garum. After all that excess, the guests would have been happy to have a lighter dessert, most likely nuts or dried fruit. The wealthiest Romans would go all out with food dyed different colours, tasty morsels brought in from all corners of the empire, and dishes presented in all manner of fantastic ways. It also gives them an opportunity to display their sadistic side. Emperor Domitian, who was especially cruel, sat his guests down for one banquet in a black draped hall and gave them each a gravestone with their name on it. They were served food that had been dyed black, and the emperor cheerfully turned the conversation to slaughter whenever he could. At the end of the meal, the guests fully expected to be executed, but Domitian sent them on their way with armfuls of presents. Even worse was the emperor Elagabalus, who actually did kill his guests. The banquet hall they were seated in was fitted with a false ceiling. When it tilted open, flowers fell down. Rose petals were a common feature of banquets, but the deranged Elagabalus arranged for so many flowers to drop that a number of the diners were suffocated. A 
Excessive as they were, however, the guests at Roman banquets were not sick into buckets or rushing to the vomitorium to make room for more food. The vomitorium was a real thing, but it was a term given to an exit passage from under the seating area of an amphitheatre used by spectators. Vomitorium comes from the Latin to spew forth, but refers to people leaving the building, not food-leaving people. A banquet might form part of a birthday or wedding party, ideally as over the top as possible. The tomb found at Pompeii commemorates one of the city's most important residents and describes his various achievements. Along with tales of him helping the less fortunate people of his hometown during a famine, the inscription describes his coming-of-age party held when he was old enough to wear a toga virilis. He had over 6,000 guests who were entertained by 416 gladiators. His life expectancy was around 35. It just makes sense that they celebrated when they had the chance. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time and let me know what you thought of today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.